What can we expect from Hugh Freeze's offense at 23, and does it matter who starts at quarterback? Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, joined on this Ferg Friday by Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. A lot of quarterback talk, Ferg, but as you know, X's and O's better than anybody in the Auburn sphere. Do you think it matters? Who wins the job? I mean, there's a bunch of different skill sets, right? I mean, you got Robbie Ashford, who, who's the mobile quarterback in the room. You've got TJ Finley that's big in stature, got a cannon for an arm. Then Holden Gurner, who may be a mix of the two, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more accurate of a thrower, we think, than the other two guys. How much does it matter? Will, will Hugh Freeze mold the quarterback to fit his system? Will it be the other way around? What have we seen throughout his career? Yeah, I, I do think between him and Philip Montgomery, you're going to see a, One an offense. Yes, uh, I have screwed myself on the, up on that so Almost many times. Almost everybody has. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, thing with, the thing with it is like you've seen both of those guys throughout their careers use a variety of different quarterbacks. I mean, you've got – go back to Philip Montgomery's time at Baylor – You've got Robert Griffin III, one of the best runners ever to play the quarterback position at the college level. But then you also have, you know, other guys in his like, like you know, Bryce Petty and um, the you know, Jared Stidham was one at, at one point in time sure. with him. Um, you know, uh, there's just a variety that you can use. You want your quarterback to be athletic. You want to be able to manipulate the pocket. You want to be able to kind of run around. And like, I guess you know, this is a a, a silly way of of simplifying things but like I, I think about like when you look at the nfl your best quarterbacks they don't all have to be lamar jackson or you know kyler murray but you look at a guy like patrick mahomes you look at a guy like justin herbert and like like you've got to have that ability to create and and keep yourself alive and and do those things so athleticism is going to be important i think the good thing for auburn is that all three of those guys you mentioned have shown an ability to do that they just do it in a variety of ways but i do think yes this offense is going to kind of mold what their what it does with what that quarterback is good at so if it is Robbie Ashford I think you're going to see more zone read stuff you use the quarterback more as a design runner I think if it's uh you know a Finley or a, um you know Holden Gander I think you're going to probably see more uh just kind of quick stuff standing in the pocket like using the throwing you know of an RPO so to speak to be that first option a lot of quicker stuff and you know it could be somebody down the line because you know obviously the staff hasn't ruled Never out know. Right. ruled out uh, the transfer portal and you obviously need to figure out what what uh what pops up when the may window opens. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think it does. You see both Freeze and uh Montgomery in their history. I mean, Freeze is another great example. You have I mean, his best quarterbacks in his in his history are Malik Willis and Dr. Bo Wallace. Like two Dr. very Bo. two very different type of quarterbacks. Um and you know, they've had a variety of like ways. Chad Kelly obviously is another one. Yeah. So, it's just Athleticism is important. Being able to create, being able to scramble, being able to improvise is important. But I do think where you will see kind of the biggest shift is, okay, how much are we going to use this quarterback as a designed runner? I think that is kind of the, the, the where you see a lot of the variations in this offense. Right, right. And I, I just think it's going to be fun to see, and I hope we see this, like a definitive winner at the quarterback position, unlike – 
kind of what we saw last year where there was this weird rotation between quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we even saw it in the Gus era too. So um, Hugh Freeze hasn't really done that. And no. I think that's going to be, <laughs> I think that's going to be really, really nice. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the key to look at moving forward is like spring practice starts soon. You're not going to get an answer at the end of spring. Uh, I think this is going to be, especially with, you know, the potential of getting somebody in, in the transfer portal. And so, you know, be patient, but I do think there is going to be, you know, some, some sort of finality, um, you know, once we get into the fall about who the quarterback is. And I think the offense will kind of adapt to whoever uh, that guy is, but you know, in spring ball, it's a lot of the base stuff. It's a lot of the basics. There's going to be a lot of that, especially through the air that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who, who you are and how fast you are. You're going to have to do a lot of that, that stuff. Well, don't you think there will be some guys that are kind of weeded out? of the quarterback battle though. Like I mean, everybody's just kind of assuming TJ leaves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if he's second or third on, in the pecking order at a day and there's still rumblings of maybe they go out and get another guy. Yeah. He's probably going to leave, right? Holden Gurner. I certainly hope he doesn't leave, but like maybe if he kind of looks at it and says, man, I'm still third for some reason. Like I don't see my path to playing time clearing up at all. Um, you know, what, what does he do? Um, I don't know. I would just be shocked if no quarterback left after spring. And I think that kind of gets us closer to, to figuring out who the guy is. Sure. I mean, I think it's one of those things where, you know, it's tough to be the third quarterback on a team, especially in the case of Auburn, where you know that, you know, this staff inherited all three of these guys. And additionally, they already have their quarterback of the future that they like in Walker White coming in. Um and forward. Holden's only a year behind Robbie, especially if like Robbie appears to be the winner uh, again. Yeah. Like that. I mean, that's just from guys a timeline standpoint, that just, that, that, that's tough. It stinks. Yeah. Guys are going to have to make the best decisions for themselves. And that's the, that's the nature of big time college football. You take a quarterback every year because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, but with the portal being the way it is and, and with the position being the way it is, quarterbacks have uh, can, can find landing spots pretty quickly. Um, so it's one of those things where from a team perspective and a roster management, you have to do it knowing that you're probably not going to keep all of them. Um, yeah. and it's something crazy. Like I want to say it's like nearly half of the blue chip quarterbacks in the last few years have, have, have transferred at some point. That's just how it goes. I mean, I, you look at Alabama and you look at Georgia, you look at a lot of other really good schools. Yeah. Like you bring in these awesome quarterbacks, but you know, you let them battle it out. And then, and then when they know where they stand, they start to sort themselves out and that's just kind of, that's just kind of how it works. Uh, and, uh, you know, that I think some of that might be coming to Auburn in the, in, in the near future, just because, you know, it, it's really hard to, um, you know, it's really hard to be the third quarterback on it. You need to, at least for sure. It's really hard to be the third quarterback and look around and say, you know what, there might be an opportunity for me to go start somewhere, um, you know, right away. And, and thanks to the portal, you do have that ability or in the case of a guy like TJ Finley, you know, when you're older, when you graduate, you have that, you still have that ability to make that, make that quick jump. Ferg, I want to pick your brain, get your thoughts on what receivers and what the receiver rotation could look like under Philip Montgomery, 1L and Hugh Freeze in 2023 in just a moment. Today's show brought to you by our friends at the FanDuel Sportsbook. It is the uh, midway point of the NBA season, and it's a great time to jump in and get involved with the FanDuel Sportsbook. It is America's number one sportsbook. And look, new customers, they get a no-sweat first bet up to 
$1,500. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the, sports, uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained if, if, you're, if you're betting on basketball. So FanDuel lets uh, you even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlays. Don't miss out on the action with your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, NFL, and the Locked On Podcast Network. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Before we jump into wide receiver play and potential rotation, how can people check out everything you've got going on? Hey, you can go to auburnobserver.com and, and check out everything. We've got a lot of basketball this week, obviously, with Auburn's big win over Missouri, going to Vanderbilt over the weekend for uh, a big matchup between uh, the Tigers and the Commodores. And also some football. Uh, I have a story up on uh, linebackers uh, with Josh Aldridge and the new guys that Auburn has brought in. You can check that out. And then podcasts, all that good stuff. We have a ton of stuff going on. A lot of basketball right now and then more football as we get closer and closer because it's hard to believe we're less than two weeks away from the start of spring ball. Um, So AuburnObserver.com, check it out. Sign up. Everything we do gets emailed to your inbox, and it's $6 a month, or you can pay $60 up front and get a full year so you get two months free included with that. Um, It's the easiest thing to do. Just go sign up, and uh, everything we do, newsletters, podcasts, rolls into your inbox about 6 a.m. Central Time most mornings yep worth every penny no question about it all right ferg who do you expect to benefit from the philip montgomery hugh free style of offense at receiver because there's a lot of really good candidates and they all kind of do different things and i think we all agree there's a lot of raw talent in the room it just hasn't really been coached or these guys haven't been put into a scheme that's really set them up to, to get separation or define success. But mm-hmm. I mean, Camden Brown, the big physical presence on the outside, Coy Moore, a guy that could do a little bit of both. Javaris Johnson um, is another guy that could be outstanding in this offense. Who do you think is going to benefit in this style of offense in big, 2023? Big receivers, big pass catching targets. It's the one thing I think of when I look at uh, Hugh Freeze offense. I look at his history at the position. I also look at some of the guys that Philip Montgomery has had over the years as well. And I think if you're a bigger body target who can win one-on-one matchups on the outside, this is going to be the offense for you. That seems to be the case. Um, you look at Philip Montgomery's background and you look at uh, some of the stuff that Tennessee did this year uh, in these last couple of years under Josh Heupel. It's a lot of those ultra-wide splits, switch concepts, the Baylor, the Baylor stuff, the old Baylor stuff is what Tennessee's running really, really well. That's Philip Montgomery's bread and butter. Um, that is – that is going to be it's going to be an offense that's going to try to get as many isolated matchups and then have receivers go out there and win them. Obviously, we know the shorter guys, the quicker guys can do that as well. Yeah. Sure, Javarius Johnson and and you know some of the, some of these other uh, uh, you know Chick Dawson, some of those guys could really really be uh, weapons in this offense. But I look more to it's like okay, who are some of these bigger guys that can kind of step up? Camden Brown, Landon King. Obviously, Nick Mardner coming. I think he's going to be a great piece in terms of, you know, even if he's not a guy who gives you seven, eight, nine catches a game, but if he can just be a role player for you, I mean, any of those yeah. guys can be really, really good. And then obviously, Rivaldo Fairweather um, is another one to obviously keep an eye on because uh, Auburn, he was the first transfer Auburn went out and got. He has, he has some really good numbers uh, at FIU as this as a good playmaking tight end. And then you look at some of the, some of the guys they've had over the years uh, with both Freeze and Montgomery. Uh, at the tight end position, um, they like to move that guy around. And you know, again, it's all about matchups. It's all about 
forcing defenses into tough situations and let your dudes go up and get it. Um, so, I mean, I think that's going to be the bigger thing for this offense is that they're going to they're going to turn some of the guys loose and just say, hey, can you win one on one matchups outside and deep? And uh, that obviously points towards the bigger guys. So we all think and we all believe that Camden Brown and Landon King can be those guys those big bodied pass catchers. Mm-hmm. They didn't play a ton last year. Do you yeah. think wh- why do you think that is? Well, I don't I, I think the. I think whenever someone says, why did so-and-so not play a ton last year? It's because I I always go back to this. The previous coaching staff just did not rotate their dudes a lot. I mean, John Samuel Shanker was the leading snap getter on offense back to back years, you know, and then there a lot of receivers. They, they leaned on the guys that are experienced. Shedder Jackson got a lot of snaps. Some of these other dudes got a ton of snaps. Defense is even a worse case uh, for, for that. So I do think it's just part of it. it's like you didn't get a ton of rotations on either side of the ball the last couple of years. And so some of these younger receivers just didn't get as many opportunities. Now you would get a handful of snaps, but it would be like it would be this crazy thing. You get to an end of a game and you look at the wide receiver snaps for Auburn, and it'd be like a couple of guys got 60 or 50, and then a couple of guys got like eight, nine, or ten. And it's like that's not normal. That's there's a little, usually a more right. balanced rotation. And so I do think that that's going to be something that you'll see. Uh, Auburn try to do more of uh, moving forward. I know, I know for a fact it's a, it's it's the thought process on the defensive side, but on the offense, it's like they don't have a ton of weapons at wide receiver in terms of depth, like established depth. But you know, I think it's going to be all right. Who who emerges? Who who turns out to be the guys you can lean on? But also know that you're going to need a variety of these guys because it's not like it's not like you have a Bolitnikov contender on this team right now. It's not like oh that guy needs to be on the field every single play. Right. I think that should naturally lend itself to some more rotation, especially in an offense where you're going to go fast and you might, you know, have these sets where you go five, six, seven plays at a time. Okay, now rotate some more guys in and do that. I do think there's going to be more balance. You look at both of those, again, Freeze and Montgomery's history, their their receiving classes, there's usually four or five guys who get good numbers uh, at a wide receiver each year. What are good numbers north of 300? Yeah, 500? yeah, yeah. 300 yards, you know, get, I'm talking guys who get, you know, multiple catches a game, handful of catches a game. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what you're going to see. Now, he's uh, both coaches have had guys in their past who were awesome 1,000-yard guys. I look at Marcus Davis as well, um, and you look at his track record. There is a kind of balance there. Like when he had Nick Marner in Hawaii, who had a really good year. They had another – um, wide receiver who was a converted running back who ended up becoming all Mountain West uh, there. And then last season at Georgia Southern, Georgia Southern goes from we've been running the triple option for most of our history, uh, and now uh, it's like, well, that, that isn't working anymore for us. They bring in Clay Helton, and Clay Helton says, we're going to throw the ball more than anybody not named Mississippi State. And so they spread the ball around, and there's a lot of balance there as well. So I do think that's where also Marcus Davis kind of fits into the picture as well, yeah. um, because it's not just focusing on just one guy or just focusing on a, a couple guys. There is, there is good balance and there is good depth uh, from, from both of these receivers, from all these coaches past and mm-hmm. some bigger than others, obviously with their receiving core. Yeah. We talked about this on Monday show where like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Shanker and Shedrick, like when you add their total snaps up together from last year, it was around 1100 when you add them both together and it resulted in like one touchdown catch. Like, that's not good. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, I, yep. I don't care how you splice it. I mean, I, I think there's a bunch of different factors that went into that lack of mm-hmm. production. Sure. 
But like that's not good. And you just got to think these guys that are going to be on the receiving end that are playing 500 plus snaps a year under Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery, they're going to find the end zone more. You would you would think. I mean, I hope so. It is yeah. that tra- it is that track record where you are spreading it out and throwing it more. Um, and it is a faster paced system. It is a scheme that is you know they're not going to be hammered down going all out every single play. Um, I, not very many teams still do that anymore, just because you know, defenses have adapted to it. The rules have changed uh, for that. It's, it's a lot different than what it was when Gus Malzahn was the king of just saying, we're going to go as fast as humanly possible. Right. Um, but I, I do think when you do play more up-tempo, you do spread the ball out. Uh, the, both of these guys, back to quarterbacks, both of these guys have offenses where their quarterback's average depth of target um, would dwarf uh, anything Auburn has had really the last few years. You have to go all the way back to Nick Marshall the last time Auburn had a quarterback who slung it as deep as often, you know, as Freezes and Montgomery's quarterbacks did. So, I mean, that should naturally build itself up for more explosiveness, uh, but it's going to be an adjustment because you've gone from the all the variations of the Gus Malzahn-ish offense to, all right, now we're going to run this kind of pro-style scheme and now it's like, okay, now we're back to doing you know, that stuff again. So it is kind of a back and forth. But I do think it's a better fit for a lot of these players on this roster because that's just kind of how football is played now, right? It's 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 more you're more it's more more common at the high school levels and obviously in the college levels to see a Hugh Freeze offense more than to see a Brian Harson offense. And so I do think that's yeah. gonna help those guys. Yeah, and also just like finding space. I mean, there's just yep. more space to be had when you use all of the field. I mean, I, I don't think that's like a crazy concept at all. Yeah, I mean, you look at Georgia, they did an awesome job with an NFL offensive coordinator. Um, they did some spread stuff because everybody does, and that's what the NFL looks like now. But, like, Georgia was able to put three tight ends on the field at, t- at times and multiple backs on the field because all of them were really good. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they just better. Their, they're better yeah, at every position than you. And, yeah. and, and they had a line – they had – that was a that was the thing about Auburn is it's like the last two seasons under Harson, you know – the pro style zig where everybody else is zagging, you know, makes I look at Kansas State, I look at some of these other programs that do it well. The problem there is, is that you know, you've got to you've got to win on the offensive line, and Auburn just didn't because of all the issues we know the Auburn's offensive line has had. This scheme is going to, I think, put less pressure on the. I mean, you still need your offensive line to perform, obviously, you know, but it's not going to be as dependent on what happens between the tackles as much as the last one does and you know maybe that'll help out but that's right where, where it takes off less more pressure or i say it, it eases the pressure on the offensive line puts more pressure on your quarterback because now mm-hmm. your quarterback's gonna have to be a guy who's got to get it out and get it out in a hurry to a lot of different parts of the field auburn basketball finally got some positive momentum earlier this week when they thrashed absolutely dismantled missouri can they keep that momentum as they go on the road to take on a Vanderbilt team that's playing some pretty good basketball right now. We will get Justin's thoughts on that in just a moment. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Alumni Hall. They are your stop for all of your officially licensed Auburn swag. If you're watching on YouTube, it's where I got this hat. It's where I got this pullover. It's where I got a lot of my happiness. Let's just be honest here. They've got three stores that uh, that specialize in, in Auburn swag. One in Huntsville, one in Auburn. It's off of South College Street. And one in Opelika. It is in Tiger Town, the Tiger Town store is my personal favorite. If you just go there, there's a chance you'll see me there because I'm there all the time. Seriously, if you're watching a daily Auburn show in the middle of uh, February, Alumni Hall is the store. 
for you. Make sure you got all your swag ready for uh, when you're uh, going to watch March Madness in a few weeks. Uh, baseball is right around the corner. They've got some baseball stuff. So everything that you could possibly need for an Auburn fan, they have you covered. And if you, uh, if you aren't able to go to a, one of the physical stores, head over to alumnihall.com. Justin Ferguson, our guest from the Auburn Observer. This team could do nothing wrong earlier this week against Missouri. Obviously, shooting 50% from three is not sustainable, Ferg, but it seems like they've got some positive momentum again after, um, after kind of going on a, a three- or four-game skid there. What are you expecting tomorrow when they head up to Nashville to play Vanderbilt on that stupid floor? <laughs> a completely different game because Vanderbilt is a very different team than Missouri. Let's get one thing clear. Auburn won 89 to 56. The most impressive thing of that is the 56, not the 89. Missouri's bad on defense. They scramble, they gamble. Auburn did a really good job of taking taking the open shots, hitting the open shots, and taking care of the ball for the most part. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they had nobody on the floor who could handle Janai Broom or um Dylan Carwell and Jalen Williams and other guys. Like they just hammered away at that. So that 89 is good for Auburn, obviously, and the shooting is really good. That's not as surprise that's not as surprising to me as you took one of the best offenses in college basketball and you choked them out and mm. held them just to 56 points. That was huge. That was yeah. huge for Auburn in that game because what you're getting in Vanderbilt on, on Saturday night is a team that is better on offense than they are on defense. Jerry Stackhouse is your is I said it on our podcast this week is your favorite college basketball coach's favorite college basketball coach because what he runs is very very good and very well thought out. They get open looks, they run great half court offense, so they play a little bit slower. You know, they don't have the same level of athletes. There's not a there's not an elite five star prospect like he had in some of his early Vanderbilt teams, but they've got experience. They're going to want to run the clock down and, and play. So it'd be interesting. Can Auburn? play defense in a matchup that is a little bit more traditional um, yeah. and they won't have the size advantage, a big size advantage in that one. So I, it's, it's, can that defense keep up? Cause defense is what's going to carry this team, right? If you can get your offense to hit shots and look, Katie Johnson's playing really well. These la last few games, except Jasper's knocking down, knocking down a couple of threes a game. That's really good. You can take that, but just know that if this Auburn team is going to win moving forward, it's going to be what they do on defense. Go back to the Alabama game, go back to the Texas A&M game. They lost in the final few minutes of that game because they weren't getting defensive stops. A lot of people put right. attention on the offensive execution. The offense is what it I mean, is. You're I, mean, you're the game, one, I mean, they went one of 10 in their last 10 shots uh, against Bama. Like, that's not great. Yeah, it's not great. But here's the thing. 26 games in the year, you know Auburn's offense isn't, isn't very consistent. You, sure. It's just are what they are at this point. You're defense right. is what's going to carry this team. And so can you do that against Vanderbilt? It's going to be a really big question because, yeah, they, t Vanderbilt does things um, a lot differently than Missouri does. And, again, it's a cliche, and, I, and I'm going to say this, and I said this on our podcast, like, and people are going to roll their eyes as soon as I say this, but, like, Vanderbilt is just smart, disciplined basketball. Of course they are. It's Vanderbilt. Like, you know, that's, right. it, they're the nerds in the, in, the, in the sea of jocks. That's what's going to happen. But, you know, that uh, the thing with – the thing with uh, uh, Vanderbilt is the, just Gary Stackhouse just runs really good stuff. It's going to challenge Auburn in a completely different way. So if they go up there and play well on defense again, that is a really, really good sign moving forward for what they have to do heading into March. So, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about how Vanderbilt's playing good basketball. Yeah, They're trending four, up. Four in a row, yeah. Um, 91st still in Ken Palm. I mean, this isn't going to be a quad one win or anything like that. Good quad um, two if you can get it, though. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you need to get it. I mean, it hurts you way more if you lose it than if you win it. It helps yep. you than if you win it. But um, I, I, I just, I, I think Auburn's the better team, right? Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. what Auburn team shows up and the fact that it's on the road makes us, yeah. I mean, it gets you worried just because we've kind of seen how this team plays on the road. In a true road game, this would be the best one Auburn has all year uh, because the best, Is that right? True, yeah, best true road game they've gotten this season by teams of caliber right now is Washington. And Washington's not very good. Um, That's fair. Now, beating Bradley and Northwestern, and man, that Northwestern win continues to look awesome for Auburn. On yeah, a neutral them floor, off Purdue, that was great. Yeah, on a neutral floor, that's important, but there's a lot more value in those road wins. So, can you get can you get a good road win here? Uh, and then, obviously, Kentucky next Saturday is going to be another one where not only do you have an opportunity to really cement yourself in a good spot for the SEC tournament if you're Auburn, but also, like, you could potentially do something that Auburn hasn't done in a very, very long time is win at Rupp. And it, it, it does look more, ever. Yeah, it, it looks more gettable this year than it has in the past. Although, I will say, um, Kentucky did a really good job of beating Mississippi State on the road on Wednesday night. That's not easy. State was playing really good basketball. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a bloodbath, and uh, we knew this was it was going to be this way heading into the end of the season. But for Auburn, you take it one game at a time, and uh, yeah, play your game, uh, and, and especially play your game on the defensive end, and you'll have a chance to walk out of Nashville with a w- with a good win and keep moving forward. Yeah, I think when you look at these last five games, three and two would be a great mark to go. Huge. And to do that, you need to beat Vanderbilt, and you need to beat Ole Miss at home. That's certainly mm-hmm. Ole Miss at home is certainly the most winnable. Mm-hmm. Of the last five, I don't think they're very good. And then, yeah, then it's tough. You go to Lexington, you go to Tuscaloosa, and you host Tennessee at home. And I just, if you can get one of those last three, I think you'd be happy. Oh, you're golden. Yeah, if you get one of those last three, I mean, you're potentially, you know, number three in the SEC. Here's the other thing I want, you know, Auburn fans need to keep in mind. It's interesting this year because this team has been so up and down. And it's been so inconsistent. But you got to keep in mind that, like, you know, it's college basketball. And also, this team you know, was was picked to finish fifth in the SEC. They got a chance to exceed those expectations. Overachieve, right. Yeah, overachieved, or at least from what we thought heading into the year. Now, the SEC has looked different. I, very few people had A&M and Alabama being one and two yeah. compared to that. But I will say, it is this, this is a learning process, I think, for a lot of Auburn fans because, you know, you went for so long without having any good basketball. And then you've got good basketball. You've got an awesome basketball. This just because that COVID year got canceled, like that's the only comparable year where you can say, okay, Auburn getting into the tournament without being, uh, you know, a champion. And obviously the the final four team was coming off a tournament championship that year, but like, it's weird. Like, so like a disappointing quote unquote step back year for Auburn is still, yeah, they'll probably be a, you know, have a good chance to be a top four team in the SEC tournament, which means they'll have a good chance to be, you know, six, seven seed in the NCAA tournament. Like that's, wild to think about how far that's come as a program yeah, and people aren't like people are complaining about it it's like what are you doing like <laughs> like <laughs> what's yeah what's going on yeah, be, be i mean yeah be upset be frustrated that your that your basketball team isn't as consistent as you would want them to be that's just being a fan but also keep in mind like man this is miles yeah. ahead like this year right here you know seven, eight years ago, 10 years ago would have been the best year Auburn had in a long time. Yeah. Give Uh, me this year in the Jeff Lebo era in a heartbeat. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because you know, you don't really have, you don't really have a lot of these, these seasons to point back to. That's right. These these good years are good. Even if they don't end in championships, this is, this is what makes you a consistent, steady basketball program. Yep. Raises the floor of the program for sure. Ferg, one more time. How can people check out everything you've got going on? 
Yeah, AuburnObserver.com, $6 a month or $60 a year. We email you everything, newsletters and podcasts. whole lot of basketball, a whole lot of football coming up as well. It's going to be a lot. This will be a perfect time to sign up because we're going to be putting out a ton here over the next few weeks. AuburnObserver.com. You can read all my written work at AuburnDaily.com. Tomorrow, we will go live. Daryl and I will go live right after Auburn and Vanderbilt, so be sure to check that out. And then also, we will drop a show Sunday morning. It's all Auburn in the NFL draft type conversations with uh, some of our friends from uh, throughout the network. So be sure to check that out. This has been Locked on Auburn.